And before we get into this, once again, more stuff, brand surf. So I'm going to talk about your brand surf. I looked you up, as I always do with my guests, to figure out what it is they have on their brand surf. And you're very well understood. Is your name reasonably unique? Yeah, um, there's three other people with my name that kind of have a presence in Spain. Um, one is a politician, so I'm really glad that I outrank them. Another person is a um, um, real estate agent. And the third one is a singer. Right. Okay. Well, all right. Yeah. No. Well, you are. You are actually very well understood by Google. We can see there your your site is at the top, so you've got a site which is brilliant. A lot of people don't do that. Your Twitter box is underneath, in showing that you're active on Twitter, but then also uh, Instagram and LinkedIn. So you're obviously a bit of a socially person. And I found your knowledge panel. Oh. Here what? we go. There you go. It's empty, but it's there. Um, and that's your KGM ID slash G slash 11 HCB HCP 8R. Um, and it, as you can see on the left-hand side, it does show the correct information with just that reference without knowing your name. It can match your name to that KGM ID. And on the bottom right-hand corner, you can see the mobile result, which allows you to claim the knowledge panel. I don't advise that you do it because what will then happen is the knowledge panel will disappear. They'll just delete it. So... You have a sprout, the tiniest, tiniest sprout, that feedback where you can see it at the top there is the sprout, which is you existing in Google's brain, but Google I hasn't love it. <laughs> We did this for Anton a few months ago, um, and I've seen a few of these now, and Google triggers them, and they exist, but they have no information in them. Um, Anton, we managed to add all the photos from his website onto it. So if you if you make your website even clearer than it currently is, Google will start to add photos and information um, to that. So wonderful. Yeah, welcome yeah. welcome to the Knowledge Panel Club. Uh, the That's knowledge, amazing. <laughs> knowledge Panel Sprout Club. But yeah, I, I actually run into your profile on um, Google, obviously, because I was looking for information on how to build out my brand SERP. So it all started oh. like this. Right, you should have just asked me. You could have emailed me directly and asked me. Oh, what? What's didn't going know on? You oh, then. Right. Uh, well, the other thing is, I've, I'm actually now releasing a book. I wrote it last year, and I'm going to release it now this week. It was supposed to be released just before Christmas. So, everybody out there, um, if you're watching this, well, if you're listening to me, then you must be watching this. So that was a silly comment. Um, the book's coming out in the next week or so, and. It's 30,000 words all about brand SERPs and how to optimize your brand SERP for a company. Uh, I'll write the one for people next year. Um, brilliant, wonderful. Let's get on with the topic, which is gap analysis. Now, yes. if I understand correct, oh, no, so, oh, very good point. Anton, I forgot the song. Shame on me. A quick hello and we're good to go. Welcome to the show, Lydia Infante. Thank you. Brilliant. Yeah, wonderful. I'm sorry. I'm a bit I'm a bit lost. It's 2022 and I've forgotten how everything works. I took two weeks off and I've completely lost the plot. Thank you, Anton, for keeping the plot. Lydia, we're going to talk about gap analysis. Now, I immediately wondered because the description you gave me was very vague. Is it keyword gap analysis? Is it link gap analysis? Is it content gap analysis? Or is it something else like hair? For example, here, the gap analysis is very obvious. It is, it is. I am winning. I'm sorry. I'm terribly, terribly, terribly <laughs> envious of your hair. I would love to have a head of hair like that, but unfortunately, mine fell out many, many years ago. Anyway, what kind of gap analysis are we Gap analysis. About? It's everything gap analysis. Something mm. that 
I like I like bringing us to the the fundamentals of what we're doing very often. Um, and when we're trying to rank our website, what we're trying to do in essence is be better than our competitors. There are a hundred something slots, and we want slot number one, right? In order to be slot number wow. one, it's not just about what we do. It's about knowing what all the other people feeling currently filling up those slots are doing and how we're going to be better than them in the eyes of the search engines that we are optimizing for. So, so what, what you're doing is basically looking at the gap analysis that is necessary for any individual business. And that gap analysis can differ depending on your industry, your business, your geolocation. In fact, every single case is going to have a different yeah. situation. Yeah, It is not a business, a generic business gap analysis, but focus on the channel of SEO. So right. um, we bring it back to the three legs of SEO. We've got content, we've got technical, we've got off-page brand links, whatever you want to call that. Um, and what I like to do is I like to, do, I like to look at these three sections separately and kind of understand whether the website that I'm trying to rank is lacking in technical or is lacking in content or is lacking in brand work, right? Because it doesn't matter... It's not going to move the needle for me if I'm already the best at technical to keep improving my technical. If I have the best content across all of the SERPs for my uh, vertical, it doesn't make sense for me to keep working on content. Or if I'm the one with the most links, I don't need to keep working on links. Right. All we need to do is some maintenance work, but not a full-on campaign all the time. Brilliant. And, and that comes back to what Gary, Gary Ilyas was saying a couple of years ago when he explained how ranking works. And it's the idea of multiplying the factors or the scores that the factors give across. And he was basically saying uh, any score under one because it's multiplied will absolutely kill the the bid that your 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 page or your content will put in. And he was basically saying you need to have an even-legged stool. If we've got these three pillars, then the three legs need to be the same length. But in fact, it's all the different kind of aspects need to be relative, as close to being equal as possible. And if you've got 100,000 yeah. inbound links, one extra inbound link isn't going to make very much difference. That's yeah. the idea? Exactly. Kind of. Um, Ooh, kind of. Well, not really. <laughs> kind of. Kind of. It's more of a not about the, your legs, but about your competitors. So if you're already the best at links in the 100 people that are complete, competing for uh, spot one with you, why do you need more links? That's not the thing that's going to move the needle for you. It's right. going to be content or it's going to be technical. And what I like to remind uh, people of is that um, those three legs have different roles. Uh, the technical leg, the role of the technical leg is to enable search engines to find your content and users to enjoy it, right? Mm -hmm. So we're talking about Core Web Vitals, we're talking about making um, a delightful web experience, uh, and we're we're talking about making it available and crawlable, and not do stupid things with, um, yeah, with the crawl budget. Yeah. So then we go on to content, and the role of content is to provide users with an answer. Typically, it's to meet the user search intent, right? So yeah. technical is there for a reason. Content's there for another reason. And then we move on to um, off-page. Off-page, we're trying to get brand recognition for you. We're trying to uh, make Google understand the relationship between your brand and your product. We're trying to tell search engines, hey, I am an authoritative source. Look at me. Look at me. 
rank me first. Right. Um, but it all comes back to enabling content to shine because it, it is the content that's going to rank, enabled by the tech, enabled by the off page. And um, then once the user is in there, the tech is going to delight them or not. Um, oh, yeah. so, yeah. can, can I can I just interrupt there and, and say you've okay. got your three-legged stool, which is content, technical, and off-page. I have a different three-legged stool for SEO, which is understanding credibility and suitability, where, I, where I'm saying you need to get Google to understand who you are, what you do, and what you offer, and what each mm -hmm. individual piece of content is offering. Then you need to convince it that you are more credible than your competition as a solution for its users. And then you need to have make sure that the content is suitable for delivery either on the SERP or off the SERP if they, they come through to your site, which is all about the kind of technical aspects of deliverability and um, the right kind of content is somebody's looking for video. They obviously You obviously need a video. So what's, what I kind of like there is I've just got a different three-legged stool and different parts of my three legs fit into the different yeah. parts of your three legs, as it were, which sounds a bit strange, but you know what I mean. No, it makes perfect sense because the way that you are describing it is about the function that these legs do right it's more of the the connector that Ooh. puts the leg into the the seat right i have doing legs and you have what functioning standy legs what would you call your legs i don't know anyway i've got doing legs. legs and i'm now very happy that my three-legged seo still has dewy legs anyway yes carry on so you're looking very much at the competition and saying i have my three legs to let, let's say equalize because they need to be more or less the same length. If you have one very short leg, then your stool falls over. Yeah, exactly. Um, but again, that's not the direction in which I'm going. I'm sorry, yes, I, I, I'm, I'm off on a... a yeah. And actually, to, to tell everybody, Lydia's actually got a list uh, on oh, a yeah. piece of paper of, of the points she wanted to make, and I'm asking the wrong questions. So, Lydia, <laughs> please take the lead. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring up the list that I took a picture <laughs> of with my phone, because once again, I'm in Barcelona. Um, so the very first thing that you need to do when you're trying to do a gap analysis against your competitors is identify them. And it is not as easy as it sounds because most companies are going to have a list of competitors. And that list of competitors comes from sales, comes from customer service, comes from product, uh, and everyone has a different idea. And then we SEOs go onto the serves and say, those are not your competitors in search, right? So you need to find a sweet spot between the people that are competing with you for your audience and your clients and the people that are competing with you for top spots on Google. Create a good mix. Use your best common sense to bring in a good balance of both types of competitors um, and start from there. And then you're going to want to look at content. You're going to look at off page. You're going to look at tech SEO. I'm going to leave tech SEO for last because honestly, I've not figured out the exact way to make the perfect gap analysis there and measure it perfectly because every website has its own uh, nuances. So I'm going to leave it for last. I'll sound smart at the very beginning and then I'll bring my doubts in. And if anyone wants to comment on it and bring their ideas, more than welcome to. Brilliant. Well, I can imagine that gap analysis in, in the technical aspects is much more difficult to do. All you can do is say, they haven't no indexed all their pages, whereas I have. There's a big gap. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. So well, that's I have no indexed all of my pages by accident. Um, <laughs> so that's the kind of thing that you want to look at. Um, let's start with tech SEO then. Let's, let's, let's open that, crack that egg open and do that. Right. So when you're, when you're trying to do tech SEO, you can look at, for example, Core Web Vitals. 
So um, how many of our competitors' URLs are passing, how many are good, how many are need an improvement, and how many are just bad, um, and make a little bit of a comparison there. Um, you could also be looking at Lighthouse scores, like uh, PageSpeed Insights. You could put the URLs on your audit tool of choice and use audit scores and health scores. It's a choice. Um, or you could combine all of those metrics with some manual checks as well, such as is the robots.txt correctly set up? Uh, do they specify sitemap? Do they uh, have a sitemap for every uh, section of the site? Or are they providing hreflang information in this way or this other way? Or is it just not there? Are, they cano are there canonicals all over the place? Write a few manual checks that you can do and combine it all into a score. But you're probably better off looking at how are they doing in terms of um, web performance optimization, and then how are they doing in terms of making the website accessible for search engines and users, right? So the two areas of tech SEO, enable and the light, look at them separately. I still have not cracked it. I am working on it. Mm -hmm. um, and I have been trying different ways of measuring Core Web Vital performance, um, PageSpeed Insights, and health scores. Still on it, not fully satisfied with my result yet. Right, yet. I think that's really important, but come the end of 2022, at least, yeah. at the latest, you will have that measurement and you will be satisfied, I believe. I'm hoping it's going to be very well done by the end of February, because I'm going Brilliant. to be presenting the entire methodology step-by-step step at the Women in Tech SEO Fest, which I'm really looking forward to. Oh, right. Where's that going to be? In London? In London on the 25th of February, um, COVID allowing, of course. Right, yeah, nice plug there. Brilliant, wonderful. Everybody get along to the Women in Tech SEO. <laughs> we sold out months ago, but oh. if anyone wants to get on the online version, you're very welcome to. Um, anyway, that's going to. I'm going to be putting those templates out once my Women in Tech SEO uh, audience have had the time to try it and enjoy, uh, to try it and enjoy it. Um, and then an easier one is going to be the brand slash on off page authority section of your gap sure. analysis. We're going to be looking at uh, number of links, number of referring domains, how many pages are getting links within your site. Um, you can look at the A. It's not it's not a foolproof metric, but it, it'll do. Mm -hmm. um, you can look at link growth. So in the last six months, what percentage have you grown? And also, what is the absolute number that you've grown? That way you can see if your competitors are making a big push on digital PR or link building, or if they're just not looking at it very much. Um, and you should be looking also at brand search volume to see Ooh. if they're, yeah, um, if the brands are known, right? Are the brands known? Does that uh, relate to their link building efforts? Um, do they do do users search for the brand and the product? Take a look at that, right? That is something that I really, really do recommend. Um, I mean, and from then, from a link building perspective, brand is incredibly powerful. The famous, the more famous, or the more well known a brand is. But also from Google's perspective, the more a brand is searched for, the more likely it is that that brand is going to be a good solution. Or answer. yes, um, and actually, uh, Stephen Kenwright the, um, from Ryzen Seven. He gave a very good talk um, at Brighton SEO in September. Yes, September about um, a case study um, when we 
it was a previous agency of him. Sorry, I'm not being, being very eloquent. But he had an experience, a case study that he wanted to show about how when users start searching for the brand alongside with the product, um, the brand started ranking higher when users only search for the product, which is incredibly interesting. Um, and it's just so insightful about the rela the relationship of brand and search. But but that that is incredibly interesting. I mean, it indicates as well that Google is making the connection, which is what I'm all about. Is saying get get Google to understand who you are, what you do, what you offer, and who you offer it to. And that necessarily means that if Google can get a grip on your brand and your product and put the two together, then it will potentially rank you better for your product if your brand is um, more searched. But yeah, I had a, exactly. I had a client as well. They did. Um, they had adverts on, they sold flowers, or well, they still sell flowers, and they would have very heavy offline advertising for the week before St. Valentine's Day and then the week before Mother's Day. And what would happen is they were competing with Interflora, and their brand search volume went up during that period that they were having this campaign, and they were second to Interflora. And during that period, they would go first. Yeah. And then after that period, they'd go back down again. That was phenomenally interesting. I'm absolutely convinced that brand search yeah. volume drives at least partially Google's ranking algorithm, at least in, in this particular uh, perspective. So go for brand search volume. Get people searching your name. Um, exactly. Exactly. Yay. And demand generation campaigns. Just talk to your demand generation people because you can create beautiful things together. Um, back at Rise at 7, we did some work for Misguided, which is another of the case studies that we showed, well, that, that Stephen um, showed during Rise on SEO. Um, there was a special type of top kind of thing that I cannot wear. Um, and only Misguided had it. They had some extra stock, I believe, of it. They did a campaign with influencers that got people searching for the top that only Misguided had at the time. Um, Blah, blah, blah. It ended up ranking really high for that product, uh, whether or not you search for the brand. Um, and that sustain that was sustained even when Zara jumped in the game or all the yeah. other uh, big fast fashion retailers jumped in the game. And that was really cool. So from a gap analysis perspective, which is what we're supposed to be talking about, you look at the brand search volume for your competitors, and then you think, well, if they've got double what I've got, I need to start building up these techniques and these strategies to get people searching my brand name. Yeah, exactly. You can do that with offline advertising. You can do that uh, performing digital campaigns, digital PR-oriented campaigns, um, TV. There's a million different ways. You can get, give it a push on social media or improve your brand awareness by super bidding on PPC, doing something clever on PPC, which, side note, massive tangent. <laughs> I I think it's time that PPC stops trying to be SEO and ranking for the keywords that the brand should rank in in SEO and start doing creative things with it. Anyway, I'm going to... <laughs> <laughs> now that all the haters are going to come to my Twitter... Um, Right. It is, so it is honest I started my career in PPC and I see really cool things being done by the team, some in-house teams and um agency teams all the time. I wish we we did more of that. Yeah, I mean basically your from your perspective, you're saying that they're, they're aiming at the same targets as the SEO, so it's actually not really pointful. Um you're getting two spots, that doesn't seem to you to be added value. That seems to be a waste of money, and they should be doing something more creative. Not fully a waste of money. But I also think that 
brand campaigns on PPC are somewhat of a ransom. Right. <laughs> okay, can can we go out of this hole that I just dig for myself? Yes, yeah, so no, keep keep going with your list. Get your list out. Every time every time we go off topic and you want to get back to the list, you just hold the list up. All right. Holding the list yeah, up. List is held um, up. Then the, the most the biggest part, the, the part that takes the most chunk, the bigger chunk of my time when I'm doing this type of gap analysis is the content gap analysis. Because I like to really look at the traffic. Right. Um, there's many different ways that you can get this done. Um, but I like to separate the traffic. So I like to look at branded traffic versus unbranded traffic. Mm -hmm. That is a good um, overlap between the brand section and the content section. But I also like looking at editorial traffic, brand-specific traffic, and product traffic. So are we? what parts of the funnel is this website attracting, right? Are we right. looking at people who are top of the funnel, starting to get interest on what is the next computer that they want to buy? Or are we looking at specific processors or hardware or brands? Or are they looking to buy it, right? So I like dividing that between editorial, which is the type of content that you're going to have on your blog, type, type of content you're going to have on guides, hubs, press, um, product, which is the type of content that's going to be on your shop, and then brand, typically the type of content that's going to go on your homepage or on your um, help pages, FAQs, return policy, all of that. Brilliant. Um, oh, and just qu really quickly interrupting there, that, that whole kind of branded search idea and the different the FAQ section, the different terms that you can be aiming at for on strategies. There is a webinar next week on Duda with myself, oh. uh, Dave Davis, Koray, uh, Gubur, and Olesia Korobka. Uh, on Duda next week, so do look that up. Sorry, I was interrupting for a bit of promotion. Fabulous. You did your, your plug earlier on. Very seamless. <laughs> <laughs> Not seamless at all. Very heavy-handed. Oh, no, it was fine. Um, so, yeah, I, that's that's a thing that I like to look at, right? So what is their traffic like? What, what are they aiming for? What are they getting? But also, what is the quality of their content efforts? And because these sites can be massive, you can grab a few different pages for an example and look at them in different ways. Um, but you should be looking at how many of their URLs are attracting traffic, total and percentually. Um, how much traffic per keyword are they getting, total and percent percentually, and how much traffic per URL they're getting, right? right. Um, that is going to tell you if they have lots of pages that are trash, if they have an entire section of their website that ranks, but the products don't rank, um, you're going to get a really good feel for what your competitors are doing and where you should be um, aiming to perform. Can I, can I ask a question? Yes. Excuse me. About uh, I have a B2B client, for example, and one of the problems we have is it's so niche that none of these tools um, have a great deal of data about it. So actually doing any competitor analysis is very difficult because the tools aren't actually tracking the these specific uh, keywords and specific um, sections or within the niche industry, is there a solution to that? Because I need help. <laughs> mm. So it is uh, the keywords that are relevant to your audience are not available on the typical tools. Yeah. I would say try different tools, um, move away from your usual one mm. and maybe try 
a competitor? I know what I'll do is I'll give Ahrefs a, a try because they partnered with us for this month of January and I can get another plug in there, which was as smooth as you like. I will tr give Ahrefs a try. Thank you very yeah, much for that. Um, they, they're awesome and I really I use Ahrefs all the time, but I do complement it with others that I'm not going to mention because... Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't mind. It's like, we can we, we can mention. I I, I work with SE ranking a lot, who are much smaller, uh, very good. Yeah, I've worked yeah, with yeah. yeah. I know well. them, and I quite like them. Um, I work with Samrush, obviously. Systrix have a nice um, database, but Ahrefs have a very good a database if you're working in non-English speaking markets. So I really right. like going with them. Oh, we could have turned this into a, a summary of what the different tools are great at and platforms are great <laughs> at. There's also SimilarWeb, who I've been looking at recently because I worked with them a couple of times, and they've got incredible data on branded search because they also have the click-through data, the click-through mm, yeah. data. And for branded SERPs in particular, brand SERPs and branded searches in particular, they've got vast amounts of data that I don't think anybody else has got. So I, I really have fun digging down into that and looking at um, the idea of, I mean, the, the branded the brand search being navigational or informational. Mm -hmm. And for something like Facebook, it's pure navigation. And that's what um, Nathan Sharma's from Bring talks about. He says, with Facebook, we know you just want to get to the site. There's no point in us giving us giving you very much more than that. Whereas with CaliCube, a much smaller company, people are searching CaliCube to understand more about CaliCube. Sorry, I'm, yeah. I'm going off on a rant on my own pet topic. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. Um, actually, you're next guest is going to be talking about intent. So that, there's another plug for you. Yeah, no, David Amelund on next week. Another plug, David Amelund is absolutely brilliant and he's such a, a smart guy. And he's going to be looking at uh, intent and analyzing how potentially we all misunderstand it, how potentially philosophically mm -hmm. we might want to take a step back. And I love his approach because it is philosophically, let's take a big step back and look at what it is we're actually doing, which I love. Whereas today we're doing pragmatically, look at your competitors and Perfect. steal all their ideas. Exactly. So back to <laughs> pragmatism, we're going Brilliant. to go on step three of the whole framework. Firstly, we've, we've identified our competitors. You can do that with a top down or a bottom up approach. Um, stay tuned for a blog post on it. Um, yeah. Then you're going to perform the gap analysis and we're going to identify our focus. So we've got our entire thing. We've got our traffic analysis versus competitors. Um, we've got our um, brand of page analysis in there. We've got our tech SEO analysis in there. And it's time to say, what am I weakest at? versus my competitors. Right. You might be below on everything. In that case, go for tech because that's the enabler uh, and then content and then uh, brand. That's usually the good way to build. Um, but if you see yourself weak on any specific aspect, you're going to want to create a roadmap on I'll how... No, it just occurred to me, you were being really polite earlier on because I was talking about my even-legged stool and you were saying, yeah, but that's not really the point. And in fact, it is. If, if your entire industry has a wonky stool that has one leg that's much shorter than the other, you can have a wonky stool too because it's all it's all relative. And that's basically what gap analysis comes down to. Is it's all relative. Exactly. You've got to hit this. Oh, keep going. I'm sorry. <laughs> exactly. So if no one has links, right, you can have yep. a few links. And that's... You, you've gained an edge over your competitors with that. Um, if everyone has a ton of links, but you have none, you need to do digital PR. If everyone has 
fantastically super optimized, super fast websites, and you don't go do that. Um, if you are on the average for everything, choose which one's going to be your lever to gain that pull over your competitors. Um, so yeah, on this on at this point in your gap analysis, we're going to start using it. And we're going to do that by choosing our focus. Um, be strategic with what your resources are, what your space looks like, and what your capabilities and expertise are, and choose a focus that you're going to uh, go for. And then turn that focus into a plan. You're going to have to create a roadmap um, with an objective. Um, if my market has, everyone has a thousand links and they're growing their links at X percent every six months and I want to meet the market, I'm going to take into account that they grow their links to maybe 1,200 by the end of the year. I want to get a, to 1,200. Yeah. Um, how many do I have? I have 500. I need 700 links. All of these numbers are made up, obviously. Um, right. What ROI are you expecting from this effort? What are you expecting that will happen if you reach the same level of links as your competitors? Is this the only uh, short leg of your stool? Then you can expect to sort of match their traffic. Um, look at that. Kind of infraestimate ROI. Tell your manager in case you need more resources in the future or tell uh, your finance department, tell your CMO, um, and get moving. How are you going to get those links? How are you going to get there? What do you do? Evaluate. So I'm gonna I'm gonna very quickly look at my list. Oh, brilliant! <laughs> right, okay. No, no, no. I, I think I think it's fine. Some people come on the show with with lists. Um, which actually really helps me because when you've got a list, you know where you're going, and I can't mm -hmm. actually take you too far off track. Although I do try, so off oh, you go. it's fine. I take myself off track all of the time. Like, what was the point? What need did I have to bring on PVC? Oh, I don't know. That was very it's strange. Such yes. opinions. <laughs> yeah, a terrible mistake on your part. I know. Also. Totally shoot myself on the food. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. You shot yourself in the foot, but now you're going to pull the bullet out because you're going to read the rest of your list. Exactly. Exactly. We're back to my list. Uh, we've created the roadmap. At this point, we've executed the roadmap. Um, we have those 1,200 links that we said we were going to get. Mm -hmm. We look at the gap again. Have we closed the gap? By how much? Are there any additional benefits that we found? Like, has our brand search grown? Can it be attributed to our efforts? Um, has our um, positioning, like our ranking for those keywords that we had in mind grown as well? And can it be attributed to your efforts? Um, and are you closer to what the average is in your market right now? Are you better known? You can use some qualitative data uh, with YouGov or other providers um, and understand what the result of that effort has been. And then you go back do the gap, choose another focus, build right. another roadmap. There are yep. different situations you can find yourself in. You can find yourself at the top of the chain. In that case, you're probably already ranking number one. Go have a chat with your social media people, demand gen, product, you're good. Uh, or maybe you're finding yourself starting in a very competitive market. It can be You can be in very different positions and you're going to have to be really clever because the key of to success is not performing a perfect gap, is being able to choose the right focus. Right. 
and create and, the right roadmap. I mean, but then choosing the right focus is partly what your competitors have that you don't, which is the gap, mm-hmm. but also partly what you are capable of doing, what you have the resources to do. And rather than just money, it's the people to do it and the people who have the capacity to do it. For example, link building or PR, if you don't have that kind of person within your organization, what do you do? Well, you get an agency, typically. Brilliant. <laughs> okay. No, I mean, from, from my perspective, kind of looking, looking at that, you're saying, I, I really need to fill this PR gap or the link back gap or the technical gap. Uh, I mean, I think kind of one thing that most sites actually immediately, or, or most people have somewhere in their um, sphere is technical. Yeah. Is that me being naive? Or, I mean, everybody thinks SEO technical, so I'll get some technical people on board. Yeah, well, every every organization has developers at this point, I imagine. The problem is getting developer time assigned to your SEO efforts. And a very good way of doing that is if you identify that technical SEO is your gap, um, you think by bridging that gap, you're going to get X more amount of traffic. You bring it back to money, right? Because the people that you're going to have to be asking resources for are going to bring it back to money. They want to understand why they need to dedicate those development hours to you, the mm. SEO that sits within marketing, instead of dedicating them to product or whatever else the engineering department wants to do. Um, in that case, you bring it back to money. Uh, if it's a very straightforward e-commerce site, you can just estimate conversion rate, estimate traffic growth, estimate revenue growth. If you are in SaaS, you can estimate Marketing qualified leads to client, MRR, do a lot of math, bring it backwards and say, I am expecting an ROI of X out of this exercise. And then you're going to likely be able to get that investment from your organization. Because a lot of SEO is, especially when you're in-house, is knowing how to talk to the people that hold your resources. Right. Oh dear, I didn't know that because I've never been in house. Um, can we can we come back to gap analysis and look at content because that really intrigues me? Because I mean, yeah. technically, you can say, yeah, they've done this. I haven't. They've got a fast site. I don't. For LinkedIn, say they've got X number of backlinks from X domain authority, whatever it might be. And for content, that's much harder to do. You're immediately kind of looking at this kind of fluffy thing, which is all content isn't equal. All content doesn't match necessarily. And content goes from a blog to a YouTube channel to um, videos that you're pushing out there and the social media. Uh, how do you do that? Well, you can do you can do it in several different ways. You can do a qualitative analysis where you just go and pick up a few blogs, read them, and compare them to what you have. So you can be looking at, are they accessible? Do they have a clear CTA? Do they cover um, the subject comprehensively? Um, is it clear to me what search intent are targeting? Um, do they include images, author, author bio, uh, publishing date, modification date? Do they bring in any credentials? Um, is it clear for the user at the end uh, what they can do next, right? Are they looking to send the user to a product page? Is this wow. a hard sell? Or are they looking to keep nurturing that user through their information uh, buying journey? You can, uh, you can have that moment of looking at all of it separately. And you can also look at it in bulk. I recommend doing both if you have the time for it, especially mm. if, you, if there's a specific competitor that you know they're doing it really well and you can find that in the numbers. So in the numbers, you'd be um, 
you'll be bringing in branded traffic, which you can do in different ways. So if you're on a Ahrefs, um, you can go, I believe the bulk analysis lets you, gives you branded versus unbranded traffic data. Right. Otherwise, okay. you can just go on the site overview keywords, exclude the brand from the keyword section and um, add the estimated traffic in there. And then you're going to get your branded traffic minus the unbranded traffic. Then you get both. Um, so that's my expression for, wow, you really know your platforms. <laughs> I can do it in many platforms. But yeah, I, I, I do use Ahrefs a lot for this. Um, and then you can go ahead and do the same by comparing the editorial section. So if all of your competitors' editorial content sits on the blog, you go on the blog, how many keywords do they have? What is their average traffic? What's the rest page? Um, if they have more than one uh, folder for it, you just add them all up. And there you have your editorial traffic. So you've got editorial traffic, brand traffic, the leftover must be product traffic. Your platform, like all of the platforms measure it in different ways and different sections of the platform measure this in different ways. So the numbers are not always going to add up unless you're talking about a very big platform. <coughs> but you can look at it that way and understand where your competitors are dedicating their, their efforts. Then you can go on Samaraj and do a similar work for intent, right? Um, you can do something very similar on, on Sembrush, on Systrix, and bring in the gap analysis by intent. Um, and then you can go and think, are they producing lots and lots of content that's not getting a lot of traffic per page, but they're producing such volume that my numbers are very big. So you're going yeah. to want to look at the number of content URLs, editorial URLs, product URLs, brand-focused URLs, Basically, you get a big-ass spreadsheet going on, some conditional right. formatting to make your life a little bit easier, and that should help you identify your competitor strategies. <coughs> so. Brilliant. Wonderful. So, so we started with technical, went through backlinks and PR, and ended with content, which basically covers your three-legged stool from, from beginning to end. That was absolutely delightful. Um, I, I really didn't know what to expect. That was amazing. Thank you very much, Lydia. Um, we're now going to announce, thank you everyone for watching, we're going to announce next week, which is David Ameland, uh, if we can have that up on the screen, coming next week on CaddyCube Tuesday, Search of Behaviour, Intent and Expectations, and that all started with a conversation uh, on Twitter, um, and I can't remember the name of the guy, he's a very famous guy who was getting involved in all this, and David Ameland has such a great viewpoint on this and a very philosophical viewpoint that I find incredibly interesting. So search a behavior, intent, and expectations next week. And if you could pass the baton, Lydia, that would be delightful. Of course. I am really looking forward to the next session with David. Um, you've mentioned him briefly over our talk. I was already excited for it because I'm very into search intent. Um, and now I just, I just can't wait for it. Looking Brilliant. forward to see that. 
Wonderful. So thank you very much, Lydia. You get the outro song and we'll see everybody else next week for that. <laughs> and also we have Bill Slasky and Andrea Volpini from Wordlift talking about mum uh, right after the David Amerland episode. So next week it's a double bill. Thank you very much, Lydia. Thank you everyone for watching. Thank you, Anton, for behind the scenes and welcome to 2022. A quick goodbye to end the show. Thank you, Lydia. Thank you.